It is a privilege to welcome to the VIN podcast a very special guest, Brian Live, Newsmax contributor, television commentator, foreign policy expert. Brian, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. It's an honor and pleasure to, yeah, to be here. Yeah, same here. Really excited. And last week we were tentatively, I don't know if you recall this, tentatively scheduled to record this. And then you came up with this very lame excuse for why you couldn't make it, having dinner at Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> so how did that work out? Yeah, I'm sorry I couldn't come up with a better excuse. <laughs> but um, being in Florida is, there's a lot of great things that happen down here. And uh, I've been fortunate enough to get to meet some really cool people and we were we were having a dinner at mar-a-lago and i had the former president and former first lady right over my left shoulder and uh, just one wow. table away from me and uh and i gotta tell you i've seen the president quite a bit over the last uh year or so and i don't know how it's possible but he keeps getting younger and better looking every time i see the guy it's interesting yeah i saw him on television i guess with hannity the other day and it was like wow yeah kind of in contrast to our current president. Well, that, that, I mean, there's, there's no comparison whatsoever when you're comparing Trump to Biden, whether it's, whether it's in looks, whether it's in energy, whether it's in foreign policy, whether it's in actually how they govern. I mean, they're two completely, two completely different presidents at every step of the way. But uh, the president was, President Trump was in very good spirits and he's got a lot of energy and he's, listen, he's got a lot to be very, happy and excited about right now. I mean, his poll numbers in the Republican primary keep getting better and better. And uh, every month over the last two to three months, really, since he announced, I mean, he keeps getting his numbers just keep getting better and better and better. And I, and I told him, Yaakov, I said, I said, Mr. President, when you went to Ohio to visit with the people of East Palestine, Ohio, after after that horrible train derailment, when President Biden was in Poland at the time, yeah. I said, you being in Ohio won you the Republican primary. Whether you know it or not, that won you the Republican primary because Republican voters said to themselves, they said, that's my guy. That's Trump. And he's here for me. He said, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. He's, yeah, he's a very humble guy. Good a lot point. of people don't don't a lot of people don't see the, the humble Donald Trump. I wish more people did, though. Yeah, I, look, and I, I don't know him personally. And there's no question to me that the humility, I see it. I saw it when he was celebrating. You know, this did not get a lot of attention. But when, when he did prison reform and he had African-American prisoners who were released because of him, they had a celebration of the White House and they were telling him their stories about how they were in jail. And they got out because they're hugging him. He's speaking to them. These are common folk. These are people who are probably lifelong Democrats and speaking to them like he's speaking to, to Queen Elizabeth. That's that's the side that 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 I get to see of President Trump. And uh, I think he's doing his his part, too, to show the American people how much he really does care about us. And uh, and I got to tell you, he cares so much about about the Jewish community here in America. He cares so much about the overall pro-Israel community. So that's, of course, talking about evangelicals as well. But also, you know, oh, of course, you know, pro-Israel Jews as well. And and he just has so much love, love for the Jewish people. And, you know, a, a fun fact about Donald Trump and the Jewish community that a lot of people don't know is that in the mid 80s, I think 1986 or 87, one of those years, he was actually given the prestigious Tree of Life Award from the Jewish National Fund. Wow. I was not aware of that. Very interesting. No, no one knows that. No one knows yeah. that. So, I mean, that's 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 almost almost 30 years ago. So, 
you know, Donald Trump has such a long track record of supporting the Jewish people. And uh, maybe we'll talk about. Yeah, that let's a segue bit into that conversation yeah. because you essentially. Yeah, perfect segue. You wrote a, a really an amazing piece on Newsmax recently. And essentially you, you were saying that as Jews, it would be crazy for Jew, for the Jewish community to not support Trump. If you look at just his stellar record, not just on Israel, but on Jewish issue, issues in general. I don't know if you mentioned, I'll just mention right off the bat, he pardoned a man named Sholem Rabashkin, who was who had this disgraceful, disgracefully long uh, federal prison sentence. They asked Obama to pardon him. Obama refused to do that. But then, the, obviously, the broader stuff, which, of course, we know the Israeli em, the embassy move in Israel. We know about pulling mm-hmm. out of the Iran, the bogus Iran nuclear deal and, you know, recognizing Israeli sovereignty over the Golan Heights, the Taylor Force Act, which not only does that not get enough attention, Taylor Force Act is huge because it defunded the Palestinians and their pay-to-slave program. And Biden, in my opinion, is illegal. He restored funding to the Palestinians and they have some kind of technical loophole. Biden is funding, he's literally a state sponsor of terror, made us all a state sponsor of terror with that refunding, restoring the funding. But I think he's also breaking the law with the Taylor Force Act, which is pretty amazing. And then, of course, the Abraham Accords. And now we see, and you made this point in your piece, and I'll let you take over. I don't want to steal all the thunder here, but you made a great point, which is here we have China literally brokering a deal between the Saudis and the Iranians. You know, one of the the biggest assets that Trump and Jared Kushner created in the Middle East, in addition to the Abraham Accords, the, the, the fact that we had an alliance with the Saudis really using the Saudis strategically against Iran. And, and Trump actually brought the Saudis and the Israelis together, maybe not officially, but everybody knew what was going on through the back channels. And China totally usurped that role, which is a huge embarrassment to Biden. So great, great points. What are your thoughts on all of that? Well, I mean, you you hit on you hit on a lot of a lot of the the wins that the President Trump had for for our community and really, you know, for the United States of America as a whole. And I think one thing to drill down on real quick is the Abraham Accords Um, and, you know, certainly, you know, brokering that historic peace deal, which brought the UAE and Bahrain to the White House lawn and then also Morocco, the Kingdom of Morocco joined the Abraham Accords as well. You know, if President Trump and Jared Kushner and David Friedman and Jason Greenblatt and Avi Berkowitz and, and, and the whole team, if they had had another six months, you would have seen the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia join the Abraham Accords. You would have seen a whole host of other Arab countries as well. Um, but unfortunately, they didn't have the, that additional six months. But, but I actually spoke about the Abraham Accords a little bit earlier today. And, you know, it just it, it is it, it's a product of of you know non elected officials and non career bureaucrats getting an opportunity to do something a little bit different. Everyone said, well, you know, you have to recognize a Palestinian right to a state, or there will never be peace with any other Arab countries. Well, turned out that's not true because Israel has 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 historic peace now with many Arab countries. So, um, yeah, I think the Abraham Accords were fantastic. And listen, in my piece in, in Newsmax, um, I, I, the the analogy that I make is this: right, the, the Jewish community, the pro-Israel community, Republican voters, we have a choice to make in 2024 for the primary, and the choice to me boils down to this: we can either a Go with the person who initially initially promised to build us an amazing house, and then that person built us built us that amazing house in record time, under budget, and we love the house that we're living in, right? Or option yeah. B, 
would be we can go with someone that promises to build that house, but they haven't built that house yet, and they haven't shown us that they have a track record of building the house. So why wouldn't we pick and support the person that built us that house? And that's 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 my call to action for the Jewish community and for the pro-Israel community. And that's why I wrote that op-ed endorsing the former president, Donald Trump, because I think that he has shown us time and time again through words and through actions and through the promises that he made, he kept every single promise that's unheard of for a politician to do. And that is why I'm proudly supporting President Donald J. Trump for re-election <laughs> to right. the White House. It's, it's absolutely right. It's a perfect analogy. And he did it. Trump did it despite enormous pressure, enormous adversity, the Russia hoax, and then, of course, the you know, the two impeachments. And it's, it's exactly right. Why on earth would you take somebody who's not proven and says, listen, I'm going to do it. And, and look, I, I respect a lot of these candidates a lot. So it's not to diminish them in any way. But like Trump almost did the impossible. You know, he was under so much pressure. He found I never thought he'd be able to build even a mile of wall. And yet he, he figured out ways, even though he refused, even though Congress, the Republicans in Congress, Paul Ryan, didn't give him a dime of funding. He said, I'm going to figure out a way. I said, come on, you need congressional funding for this. No, he, he, you know, he outsmarted all of us with that. And like you said, so many other things that he's done for the Jewish community. And I'll go a step further with the Abraham Accords, as you said so well. A few, Who knows what a few months more could have done if Obama had cut a deal between Israel and any Arab country. If Obama had brokered a deal between Israel and like the Kurds. I mean, he would be winning the Nobel Peace Prize. He'd be Time Magazine's Person of the Year, he, he, which he got all that stuff for far less. And it's unbelievable how underrated and ignored, you know, the history books 30 years from now, they're going to look back at the Abraham Accords. They're going to say, oh, my goodness. I mean, this man did, did the unthinkably made peace in the Middle East. They always used the Palestinians as this silly nonsense excuse. And Trump said, listen, forget right. it. Forget the Palestinians. They're not they're, they're not they're not important anymore. They're irrelevant. And the Arab Gulf states woke up and they said, you know what? This guy's right. Well, and it was also don't don't forget, it was also uh, the crown prince Mohammed bin Salman that in while the Abraham Accords were being talked about and everyone kept talking about, you know, what's in this for the Palestinian people. And by the way, there were so many opportunities that were going to be in it for the Palestinian people. Um, and the Palestinian yes. leadership rejected yes. it. They rejected. flat out rejected it. And the Crown Prince MBS came out with a statement and he said the Palestinian leadership never misses an opportunity to miss an opportunity. <laughs> yes. And and I knew that when MBS came out and said that the tide was turning. And and and, and I and I stand by what I said just a couple minutes ago that had President Trump had just a couple more months, you would have seen that elephant in the Middle East, that is the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, coming into those peace accords. But unfortunately, now we have a completely different situation where we have China brokering a normalization agreement between the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and the Islamic Republic of Iran. And it is unheard of. It was yeah. un so unexpected. I didn't have that on my bingo card for 2023. I didn't have that on my bingo card ever that the Chinese would broker such a such a peace deal. And I've talked to a lot of people in the national security space and foreign policy space, and none of us saw this coming. But you know what? We should have saw this coming yeah. because when the United States of America is projecting weakness onto the world, our adversaries, and that's what they are. That's who China is. That's who Russia is. That's who the Islamic Republic of Iran is. That's who North Korea is. These are our adversaries. They're not our competitors like President Biden likes to refer to them. These are our adversaries. Yeah. But when they see an opportunity 
to take advantage of American weakness. They're going to eat our breakfast, our lunch, our dinner, and our cookies in nighttime every single day. And that's exactly what's happening right now. <laughs> that's exactly what's happening. It was our worst fear. We knew it was going to happen when Biden was elected, and it's playing out exactly like that. I want to switch gears for just a, a moment. I mean, similar, related sure. topic, but I have a lot of people telling me, Republicans, and not just Republicans, but Let's call them former Trump supporters. Some of my listeners, they say to me, I love Trump. I love what Trump did for those four years. Like you said, the embassy move, what he did for Israel, the border, et cetera. But, you know, and they don't say, oh, but the, but the nasty tweets. They don't go that far. <laughs> they say, but he's not electable, uh, despite having won, what, like 80 million votes in 2020. Oh, he's not electable. Oh, he goes too far. And, oh, he has all these negatives. DeSantis is a clean slate. You know, Nikki Haley is a clean slate. And, uh, you know, they feel like Trump's negatives. Oh, yeah. If you told me tomorrow he'll be president, I'll be the happiest person in the world. That, that's what a lot of them say. Some of them say, eh, I don't want him to be president because you know he causes too much damage to the party, and to the country and divides or whatever nonsense. Biden's a much bigger divider than Trump. But anyway, how do you respond to, to that issue? Well, at the end of the day, you know, I go back to what I just said. And, and, at the, and we've got to look at. We've got to look at President Trump's record, and he has such an amazing record to run on and a record of making so many promises on so many different levels from domestic issues to foreign policy issues. And he delivered on every single one of them. And I personally do not have anything against Ron DeSantis. I don't have anything against Nikki Haley. Um, I don't think Nikki Haley could come even close to winning a general election for the record. Um, I think that Ron DeSantis could potentially at some point come close to that. But but I will tell you this, and I, I talked to a lot of uh, Republican primary voters all around the country, Jewish and non-Jewish. And the overwhelming theme that I hear from people outside of the state of Florida, where Ron DeSantis is very popular, so we can't get around that. He's very popular here in Florida. But when you start talking to people in Kentucky, in Mississippi, in Ohio, in New York, in my home state of Pennsylvania, in other parts of the country, the Trump base is still overwhelmingly the Trump base. Um, and they are going to show up in a big, big way. We are going to show up in a very big way, the Trump base, and and get him this, this primary victory in 2024. And then I think it's going to come down to, does our country want – someone that is, you know, asleep by 7 p.m. every night or do they want someone <laughs> like Donald Trump who's going to stand on the tarmac at two o'clock in the morning to welcome back American soldiers that just died? Which president do you want? Do you do you want the president that doesn't put out mean tweets, but but he's 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 in bed at seven o'clock and and he's turning America into a hellhole with an open border that's out of control? Or do you want a president that maybe, you know, doesn't always say the most diplomatic things. But at the end of the day, Americans never had more money in our pockets. The southern border was under control. America was respected on the foreign policy stage. I mean, I'm going to pick President Trump every single time. When it comes down to that. And I think that a lot of voters, uh, both Republican and Democrats and independents that have leaned to the right before, I think if they're faced with that decision in 2024 in the general election, they're going to send Donald Trump back into the White House. And do you think the guy who goes to bed at 7 p.m. every night, you think he's going to run again? You know, I, I've got to I've got to go based on what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing right now. And everything that we're seeing and hearing is that. He's getting ready to run again. Uh, I, I I don't know how that's possible. Um, <laughs> listen, I I 
I do not wish any ill on President Biden. I don't wish any ill really on anyone. I mean, maybe Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar, but 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 I mean, I really I I don't like seeing a weak president. I don't like seeing a weak President Biden because that shows that that displays an image of weakness for the world. Right. But when you look at President Biden, whether it's, you know, shuffling around or it's mumbling or it's misreading cards or it's falling asleep during speeches. I mean, the guy is not capable of being the commander in chief. Like, okay, like let's, let's just say it. Okay. There's no way in hell that he should be our commander in chief right now. And certainly no way he should have another four years in the White yeah. House. So yeah. um, I don't know who the Democrats are going to run. It looks like maybe Gavin Newsom, um, maybe some other names, too. But but listen, at the end of the day, people, you know, the, on the on the left, they still seem to like Joe Biden. So Astonishing. who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. Now, before we let you go, I have to ask you about the looming indictment. And now it looks like Alvin Bragg may be having some second thoughts. Somebody recently made the point to me, the system is so blatantly corrupt. It's not even like hidden. It's so plain sight where Hunter Biden has committed, forgetting all, you know, forgetting the the, the, the art, the $500,000 Hunter Biden artwork, but like open crimes and the gun crimes and, you know, the tax evasion. I mean, no conspiracy theories there. Hunter Biden, no indictment. Don't hold your breath. Hillary bleach bit 33,000 emails, which were under subpoena. No indictment. Hillary funded the Steele dossier. The irony, Trump is getting potentially indicted for hush money payments, which is not even a crime. And Hillary literally got fined for campaign finance issues because of the Steele dossier, which, by the way, was her her way of getting Trump impeached, essentially. Um, So are you shocked? Have you ever seen anything like this? Well, I think we've seen a lot like this. I mean, it's taken on a new shape with a local district attorney trying to trying to take on a federal case, which is really kind of unheard of. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, we but we see what's been happening with what the Democrats have been trying to do um, against President Trump. I mean, let, let, let's just put it in perspective, OK, when when Nancy Pelosi's Democratic House of Representatives launched their impeachment, they knew they knew that it didn't have the votes to go through in the Senate. They knew it the first time. They knew it the second time. But they did it anyway. And they did it anyway because that is the red meat that their base, A, that their base wants, and B, they did it because they're trying to do everything that they possibly can to get Donald Trump not to run for re-election. And now you have this rogue district attorney, this Soros-funded district attorney, who originally said, oh, I'm not going to take up the case. His predecessor said the same thing. The federal government said they weren't going to take up the, take up the case. And now suddenly Alvin Bragg wants to turn a misdemeanor into a felony. And now suddenly his star witness, Michael Cohen, seems to have a lot of holes in his story. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and you know, and first it was, oh, we're going to postpone the grand jury for a day. Now they're postponing it for a month. You know what? Get it over with Alvin Bragg. Drop the case. We all know you're dropping the case. We know it's not going anywhere. And you know what? This has really been such, I think, an amazing opportunity for the American people to see how local, state, and federal government has been weaponized. I mean, it really 
is out of control, whether it was the Department of Justice going after President Trump when he was in office, and now you have a local district attorney going after the former president. I mean, I really think the American people are seeing this for what it is, and I think a lot of that is being reflected in Donald Trump's poll numbers. He is polling higher now than ever before. Unbelievable, yeah. The the indictment bump, you know, it used to be like the convention. Now it's the indictment. I thank, uh, thank these crazy Democrats. All right, we will leave it there. What are we plugging for you, Brian? Live? Phenomenal, phenomenal appearance, by the way. Uh, your website, what do we – can we plug something? Oh, well, you can t- take a look at my website. It's Brian with a Y, E-L-E-I-B dot com. Uh, check me out on all the social media platforms. I'm verified on everything. Uh, just search, you know, Brian, again, with a Y, uh, L-E-I-B. Um, and um, – yeah, let me let me just say this too. I, I want to close with this because I know a lot of your audience sure. is probably in the the Orthodox community. Is that correct? Yes, correct. So I, I myself am not Orthodox, um, but I mean I'm, I'm I guess consider myself kind of conservative and traditional. Um, but I have been extremely outspoken against the the dangerous rise of, of Jew hatred that we're seeing happening all around this country. And in particular, I've spoken out so much uh, about the the attacks that are happening specifically in Brooklyn against the Orthodox community. So yeah. my message to, to any Orthodox Jews that are listening right now is please continue to fight back, continue to spread your light and know that you have a lot of allies like me and a lot of non-Jewish allies as well Let's see what's happening, and we're not going to tolerate it, and we're always going to speak up and support you guys. I really appreciate it, and I'm sure our audience appreciates it as well. Like I said, of amazing, course. amazing job. Brian Live, thank you so much. hope we can do this again. This is a true privilege. Newsmax contributor, television political commentator, foreign policy expert, and a lot more. Brian Live on the VIN News Podcast. Anytime. Thanks so much.